And to join us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, we welcome Ross Jackson of the Locked On Saints podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Ross Jackson, NOLA, N-O-L-A, to talk more about this game. Ross, how are you doing, man? Appreciate the time. Oh, of course, guys. Glad to be here with you. Always fun to chop it up with a uh, fellow Locked Oner as well. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Always a pleasure to be here. Yes, Locked On Podcast Network, Crib, the podcast network that goes daily. How many years have you been with Locked On and how much has the daily pod thing, uh, uh, how's that been going for you? Are you still holding up okay? Yeah, yeah. I started back in the on August 6th of 2018 and haven't missed the day. Uh, which has been really great. Um, okay, been a lot of Patient, yeah. baby. I have missed plenty of days. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, you know, weekends, of course, included things like that. But you know, it, it helps with the NFL calendar, in particular, the NFL calendar is so three sixty five. And uh, sometimes, fortunately, sometimes, unfortunately, the New Orleans Saints remain in the news. Uh, quite a bit. So one way or another, that ends up being great for the content, if you know what I'm saying. All right. So let's be clear about this. Me, even as a Locked On podcast host, I'm talking to the most dedicated Locked On podcast network <laughs> host after not missing a day since 2018. Let's get to this game. I think the biggest question for all of us surrounding the Saints coming into this season, Ross, it was about Derek Carr, the new quarterback that yeah. they had. How was that offense going to look? We see one drive in the preseason. They look excellent. And it it was not an offensive outpour against Tennessee, even if Derek Carr did throw for over 300 yards. What's been your assessment of this offense as you've seen it transpire through the offseason and even in week one against Tennessee? Yeah, I think you've seen an offense that's a little, more, a little bit more confident and comfortable in its identity and what it wants to be. You're right, it wasn't a big offensive outpouring, but that tends to be the case early on in NFL seasons. Defenses start off strong. And you kind of get the bell curve of offenses taking over through the middle portion of the year. And then eventually the defenses kind of come back up because of all the injuries and things like that, which tend to be on the offensive side of the football. And so I think that what you've seen from New Orleans are the growing pains that you expected. Like anytime you get a new quarterback in your system, whether that quarterback's a rookie, a young veteran, an older veteran, an experienced veteran, whatever it might be, there's going to be some growing pains in terms of what that's going to look like. We expected that. And I think that's what we saw a bit during the, during that Titans game. I think we'll see more during this Panthers game. It's not going to be a perfect offense all of a sudden uh, for New Orleans, but I do think that they have a lot more of a grasp on their identity, what they want to be as a football team, who they want to be as a football team at this point in the year versus where they were at this point last year. Ross, when you talk about Carolina's offense and Bryce Young averaged 3.8 yards per pass attempt, really working that short and intermediate game. The Saints had three interceptions this past Sunday. Do you feel like that this defense is definitely going to be sitting on those short routes and really challenging the Panthers to test them deep? I think really what they're going to want to do is just make sure that the deep ball does not become an option. I know there were only two 20-plus air yard attempts by Bryce Young in that game against the Atlanta Falcons secondary, I think the Saints would like to keep it that way. If they can keep things in front of them and welcome him to kind of nickel and dime, as long as they can make tackles, right, which was the big issue for them last year, LaVisca Chenault, the big catch and run the year before that, I'm pretty sure LaVisca Chenault, the big catch and run. But I think that, you know, there's those pieces to where the Saints have had some troubles with getting these receivers down once they get their hands, once they get, you know, the ball in their hands. And I think that New Orleans kind of showed you in that first game against the Tennessee Titans that they were able to close at the catch point, make these tackles, limit yards after catch, all of that. If they can continue to do that, then I think that they'll welcome uh, kind of that short intermediate area. Maybe they'll sit down and kind of jump some of those routes, but because they're such a man-heavy team, they'll be in position to do that, you know, one way or another. 
Um, I know Bryce Young only completed 44% of his passes against man coverage last week. If that struggle continues and if the Saints can kind of keep those coverage windows tight, then I said that's more so what they'll welcome than worrying about necessarily challenging him and making him go deep. And then also you look at New Orleans offensive line and coming into the season, they weren't viewed very favorably. And then they come out in the first game, give up four sacks in the first half, 15 total pressures. How worried are Saints fans about this Carolina pass rush who was able to get to the quarterback, Brian Burns, looking like he's off to a great start this season. How worried are they about that? Yeah, I think I think Saints fans in particular are very, very concerned about that. You've got Brian Burns, you've got Derek Brown, Frankie Lucas coming off the edge. I mean, there's a lot of different places where that Carolina defense can, you know, send pressure. And that's before you even get into the conversation with their re- recent sort of scheme switch, that 3-4 front being able to, you know, supplement for their pass rush from safeties from the slot. They have a lot of athletic players that can contribute there. Of course, namely guys like Jeremy Chin and Bon Bell, who we've seen in New Orleans do exactly that. So, I think that there's a lot of concern around that in terms of the way that fans are looking for the game. For the New Orleans Saints, though, what's really kind of the focus for them, it's not necessarily who they're going up against, but how whether or not they can get out of their own way, right? So for them, it's about can they improve on the offensive line. Um, the 64 snaps that the New Orleans Saints offensive line as the starting unit was last week that they took together are the only 64 snaps that group has ever taken together. So there's much like with the changing offense and changing quarterback, with the changing offensive line, you're going to expect some growing pain. So it's only going to get better with experience. It's a little bit of trial by fire at this point, but it is probably the biggest concern as an analyst and, and for fans that are looking at this game going in, understanding that where the Saints are maybe at their weakest right now is effectively right across from where Carolina might be the strongest in terms of its entire roster. Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints podcast and LockedOnSaints.com joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Ross, we were looking at advantages and disadvantages in this matchup. What would you say is the biggest advantage for New Orleans as well as the biggest disadvantage? Yeah, I think the biggest advantage right now would probably be the Saints receiving core and their pass catching and then the timeliness of where Carolina is health-wise on their uh, in their secondary. I mean, Adding in Von Bell, a guy that's very familiar with the New Orleans Saints system, I think can go a long way, and he's a reliable veteran player. Jeremy Chin's a ridiculous athlete and a very, very reliable player as well. But the loss of J.C. Horn, again, is a big, big hit for that Carolina secondary. And so if they're going to have to march out guys like Troy Hill, as well as, of course, C.J. Henderson, who struggled, and then you know, uh, Dante Jackson, who's been dealing with, you know, always kind of dealing with his own health stuff and has his up-and-down games, I think that that matchup versus the New Orleans Saints pass catchers of Michael Thomas and Chris Olave and Rashid Shaheed and the tight ends, which, you know, I know that this Carolina team really loves its cover three, so the tight ends become a really big part of the Saints passing game, I imagine, this week, attacking the seams, you know, those kind of all-go specials, things like that. I think that that's where the Saints maybe have their advantage, their pass catchers versus the defensive backs of the Carolina Panthers, where they kind of have the maybe the the weakest portion of it or, or, or maybe the... The, the spot that is kind of the, the biggest disadvantage for them goes back to that offensive line, right? The, the Saints offensive line trying to get its mold together, but then having, you know, a really, really good front across from them. And, and I mean that in terms of pass protection, but also in trying to get the run game going because the Saints only averaged 2.6 yards per carry last week. That can't be the case on Monday night. And then, Ross, you guys have a couple of high-profile uh, ex-ACC stars on your roster and wanted to check in mm-hmm. on the progress of those guys. Brian Brissy had a half a sack in the game last Sunday against the Titans. How has he been And A.T. Perry? What can we expect from him as well? Yeah, um, Brian Brzee is, is is a big one. Um, you know, he, he's been huge for New Orleans already. He's going to have 
half a sack and a few pressures on his ledger. Uh, but, you know, the, there was an interception that Ryan Tannehill threw to Paulson Adebo down on the right sideline that only happened because of a play that Brian Brzee made. He crashed the entire left side of the Tennessee offensive line, allowing Demario Davis to be able to pass rush from the second level. And him getting into the face of Ryan Tannehill forced him to rush that throw made a bad decision and it ended up being what will probably be one of Paul Medivo's easiest interceptions in his career. And that's one of the ways that Brian Brzee ends up impacting your game. Not only does he get into the backfield and make those plays on the quarterback, but he's creating opportunities for other players. That's something New Orleans hasn't had on its interior for a few years now. So that's a big, big bonus that you get with a guy like Brzee. A.T. Perry, I'm not sure yet in terms of what to expect from him. It depends on if he's active. He was inactive this week. The Saints leaned a little bit more towards their tight ends and, and, and uh, the additional running backs that they wanted to have active. And so because of that, just a numbers game-wise, the Saints went with their top four receivers instead of their top five. They brought on Lynn Bowden Jr. Onto their pra- or from their practice squad onto their active roster. I'm not sure how that adjusts the numbers for a guy like A.T. Perry. But if A.T. Perry is active and he does get his opportunities, red zone contested catches, being a big guy that can do big guy things, those are going to be the things that are going to end up being big for him I, if he gets some opportunities this game. My bad, Ross. I just wanted to figure no, out good. exactly when we're talking about like these division rivals and the fan base's hatred for one another. There's not a definitive answer, I think, for Panthers fans on who is the team you hate the most because Atlanta shows up a lot. New Orleans shows up a lot. I think for us, Tampa Bay is pretty clearly third with the most hated team being there. Yeah. But it's always split between New Orleans and Atlanta. Would you say that the Saints fans have a definitive answer for that question or is it kind of split like us? No, there, there's a definitive answer and, and it's Atlanta. Um, I just think that like when you go all the way back to you know the – you know, the founding of the New Orleans Saints and, and when they began, you had the, effectively this like Dixie Bowl matchup that used to happen between the Atlanta Falcons and, and the New Orleans Saints, and it has gone all the way back since then. And then Carolina kind of entered the fold. I do think, though, that the thing that is really always interesting about the Carolina and New Orleans matchup is that series-wise, like, like all-time series-wise, it's closer than any of the other matchups. I think it's like twenty-eight to twenty, like twenty-nine to twenty-eight if mm-hmm. you include the playoffs or something like that. Uh, and so I do think that it is a closer rivalry. But the bigger sort of fan hatred will always, always, always go towards the Atlanta Falcons. I feel like sometimes it's the Falcons just because of their proximity. But man, there's a lot of, especially with Sean yeah. Payton. Panthers fans did not like Sean Payton. That's just how it yeah, was. He fed into that just a little bit. <laughs> a little, you know what I'm uh, just a little bit. Yeah. All right. That's Ross Jackson. We don't hate you, Ross. We love you. And we appreciate you hopping on on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Locked on Saints. LockedOnSaints.com. Go check them out anywhere you get your podcast. Ross, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks again. Thanks, Ross. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Y'all take care. Stay safe and talk to you soon.